This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same-game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Some cars are comfy on the inside but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone. Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. When people ask, Regina, do you like to compete? I say, bring it on. Those are the moments that drive you to achieve more. And when you win, you keep reaching higher. To me, that's what the Cadillac Escalade represents. It's always evolving in technology, in design, everything. Because success isn't the end. It's just the first step to what comes next. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. When people ask, Regina, do you like to compete? I say, bring it on. Those are the moments that drive you to achieve more. And when you win, you keep reaching higher. To me, that's what the Cadillac Escalade represents. It's always evolving in technology, in design, everything. Because success isn't the end. It's just the first step to what comes next. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. Here's the scenario. You're injured in a collision and your insurance company is denying your claim. It happens far too often. If it happens to you, call me, Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Personal Injury Law. My team and I work for people just like you. We don't accept cases on behalf of insurance companies, so you and your family can make sure that you're in good hands. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast. I'm Rose Sampson Folk. You're joining me today after the Raptors lost to the Milwaukee Bucks, moving them to 4-2 on the season. They lost 115-105. to And it is representative of the game, but also not, because the game was really close for a moment in time, and the game was played hard for a moment in time. And the Raptors, they were a lot closer than 10. I think they had it down to 3. It was, you know, it was pretty touch and go at the end there, but the whole game, if you're watching this as a Raptors fan, was a slog, man. This was not super entertaining unless you really get kicks out of watching Kyle Lowry kill opposing teams and be a fantastic player, which I think we all enjoy. But when he's surrounded by so much mediocrity for such a large part of the game, like the guy, he played 38 minutes. He had 36 points. Four rebounds, six assists, 11 of 18 shooting. Like Kyle Lowry, our, what, 34-year-old point guard, is getting to the line 
nine times in this game getting to the line with a lot of regularity in this season at all and he's just man he's very impressive and that's the biggest takeaway from this game Pascal Siakam came on strong in the third quarter once again OG Ananobi played that really disciplined fantastic defense he was sharp on offense but he's not at this point with the Raptors and in his career he's not a show-stopping offensive talent. So he's not going to take the Raptors' offense and completely yank it out of the mud that it was in. He's He doesn't have the Kyle Lowry talent on offense at this point in his career to pour in 36 points without having anyone create anything for him. It's just, he, he had a great game. I thought OG was fantastic. Um, he did a really great job guarding Giannis in the half court. As far as people guarding Giannis in transition in this game, he scored a lot in transition. I don't think anybody guards Giannis very well in transition. I think everybody in the league knows that. And just to highlight OG and Kyle, who did a really great job in this game. But let's start in the first quarter. And the Raptors, they got waxed in the first quarter. It was truly abysmal to watch. The Well, they just couldn't score against the Bucks' half-court defense. The Bucks know they have a good half-court defense. It's why they're last in the league in offensive rebounding. Even though they have guys like Giannis and Brooke Lopez, the Bucks do not really push on the offensive glass. It's paramount to their success defensively for them to get back. So that's what they were doing early on. The Raptors, who have been able to get into quite a bit of transition in games past, weren't able to inject any life into their offense with transition early on. There was no pace to their offense. And basically, the Raptors couldn't create any good shots. It was tough to watch. They were taking long-range shots, whether it was long twos or uh, three-pointers. Three-pointers aren't a bad shot, but in a game like that where the Bucks are starting to run out in transition, the long rebounds are kind of a tough look because it was it was getting the Bucks start in transition a lot. That's That really, really made the Raptors... That was pretty much what sunk them early on was that 36 to 17 first quarter and they got thoroughly dominated and they couldn't create a lot of good looks against the Bucks defense. The Bucks length on the inside and the wing especially I thought really mitigated how the Raptors were able to operate inside. Pascal Siakam wasn't getting much of the offense at all like he had a couple post-ups on Giannis but I thought otherwise the attention to detail and how to deploy him against the Bucks was rather lacking so that's I think that's on nurse I wasn't I didn't feel left wanting for any of Pascal Siakam's I guess decision making in this one I felt like nurse especially early on completely hung him out to dry the Bucks are a good defensive team and in the half court a great defensive team so if you're gonna have Pascal Siakam just go against a half court Bucks defense trying to post up Giannis while Brooke Lopez is waiting for help side defense, you're just setting him up to fail. And he did early on. Like, he started out 2 for 8. He was having a really tough time scoring against them. And yeah, I do think that's on Nick Nurse and a credit to the Bucks as well. But that was the story of the first quarter. I thought Kyle Lowry did an awesome job, especially last year. All the games in the regular season, Eric Bledsoe kind of ate Kyle Lowry's dinner. In this game, maybe it's that championship flair that Kyle Lowry has now. He just he can't be bothered with any defender. 
he he gets where he wants on the floor. He does what he wants, and that was evidenced by his 36 tonight. And he was the driving force early on for the Raptors, and he was the driving force for the whole game pretty much. But in the first quarter, a couple pull-up threes, that was basically all that was going down for the Raptors. There were some fouls early on too, but it was still Kyle Lowry drawing the fouls, getting to the line. And that was that was pretty much the Raptors' offense early on. It was kind of a travesty. Matt Thomas came off some pin downs, hit a couple shots. I thought that was great, but not much to talk about. I guess I should mention, since I was clambering for it, clamoring, sorry, not clambering, clamoring for it, Chris Boucher got some early minutes. I had been saying since, well, since the last game where he was once again good in garbage time, that I wanted to see him get some minutes early in a game where they're not playing this run-and-gun, garbage-time type of basketball, which isn't really reflective of how the Raptors play or the opponent plays ever. And he was largely invisible. His length did cause uh, Defenzenzo to turn the ball over to him, but it didn't turn into anything. And Boucher, yeah, for the most part, the front court of Ibaka and Boucher was not really doing anything in the first quarter, and I don't blame them because the flow of the game was completely dead. You had guys trying to create for them that weren't super like capable, Terrence Davis, and it was just a tough go. Once Ibaka started playing next to Siakam and Kyle, I thought that there was a good, um, a good framework for how they were trying to get him involved, and Ibaka came on pretty strong in the second half too. But otherwise, you know, the early part of the game... That's pretty much where the Raptors lost this, obviously. Once their offense caught up, so did their defense. Because just like anything, it's, you know, it's nebulous. It's fluid. The Raptors' offense and defense, are they feed into each other a ton. Especially, it's the teams that are so reliant on transition that are so dependent on it. And that's redundant as a sentence anyway. But it's, it's obvious why the Raptors, when one facet of the court is out of funk so is the other and it's tough for the Raptors especially against a team like the Bucks who are so fantastic in transition you have guys who will run out like Eric Bledsoe and especially Giannis Antetokounmpo like allowing runouts for Giannis Antetokounmpo is the fastest way to guarantee that your team is going to give up a lot of points and the Raptors were doing that early on and that was a bit of a shame because the performance of Kyle Lowry in this one was one of one of the better ones we've seen in the past year, honestly, because he was last year taking it easy. And we all and there's no fault in that. He was just being, you know, the point guard of the offense, running the pick and roll, passing way more often, letting Kawhi Leonard come and go as he pleases in the offense and catering to the to that and always looking for Pascal Siakam to help groom him into the player he is today and this year, Kyle Lowry has definitely taken a larger hold of the offense, and maybe not maybe not a larger hold of the offense, but a larger hold of the shooting responsibilities on the Raptors. He's putting up more shots this year, and he's just more aggressive, especially like I alluded to earlier on, is getting to the line. And Fred Van Vliet in this one, I thought he did an okay job. Some people were saying that they thought he was bad. I don't really agree with that I thought that he was decent enough on defense he rebounded really well I thought which if you read the black box report he was the most egregious offender when it came to the defensive rebounding lapses on the Raptors and that's fine he is an undersized guard and it is tough to rebound really well for your position not everyone can be Kyle Lowry out there 
and not everyone is, as evidenced by this game, but Fred Van Vliet, I thought he did a good job rebounding in this one. I thought he did a good job operating as the top of the offense as well, and he played good defense, as he usually does, and that's, yeah, that's them's the breaks. The second quarter was basically more, well, it was similar to the first quarter in that it was Kyle Lowry plugging away for the Raptors, putting his head down, getting to the rim, taking open threes when he had the opportunity, getting after it like that, except with more success and a little bit more help from his contemporaries, his teammates. And that, that came, they won the quarter 33-30, to 30, but the basketball, it was kind of ho-hum. As you guys know, you've all you guys watch a ton of basketball, all you guys and gals, you watch a ton of basketball, and when a team is up 51-25, to 25, the offense on the other side is a lot easier to come by. The The defensive intensity really tapers off, and that did with the Bucks. So the Raptors winning 33-30 in the second quarter, like winning that quarter 33-30, was not super emblematic of the style of play. It was just Kyle Lowry willing the team forward into baskets, getting them to keep running, getting to the line. The Raptors had 19 free throws in the first half and just doing it that way. The third quarter was when the pace and the the outlook of this game really changed, and that was because the Raptors started to look more the defense clamped down, and that was definitely the most important part. The defense clamped down, and Pascal Siakam joined the fray offensively. OG Ananobi, he was doing, I thought, a really great job on Giannis Antetokounmpo. I'll say that once again, but in the third quarter, there wasn't as many transition opportunities for the Bucks, so OG had more time and opportunities to lock down Giannis. That was great to see once again, beating a dead horse, but OG did such a fantastic job that I think it's worth saying a few times. Marcus Hall's three-point shot came around in a big way, and that's for Marcus All, when teams are going to play this type of defense where they're really rejecting anything coming into the paint, the Bucks were sitting on the Raptors and having Kyle Lowry, Pascal Siakam willing to shoot, Fred Van Vliet, who had taller guys on him for most of the game, wasn't able to be pulling up in guys' faces, wasn't finding a lot of space. And that's fine because I thought Van Vliet did a good job moving the ball and wasn't a magnet for turnovers or anything. He only had one on the game, whereas Kyle had six. And that's not to say that Fred was better than Kyle, just Fred was pretty good with the ball, kept the ball moving, and I thought he was good on offense. And to have a situation like that where the Bucks are sitting in the paint, for the most part, and they're long, so they still contest threes well, to have a guy like Marcus All, who's a capable shooter, when the Raptors traded for him, this was part of the package, right? This was part of Marcus All's game and the Raptors they knew that was part of what they wanted was a guy who could come stretch the floor and against a defender like Brooke Lopez who is moored in the paint for the most part defensively having Gasol be kind of passive from downtown is not really great and especially he's not willing to shoot on the short roll he's not willing to shoot from the mid-range right now his shot selection has you know, I think people have had gripes with Marcus All's shot selection for some time now, but I think looking more aggressive from downtown is a must, and especially against a team like this. I'm surprised at the way the Raptors played because I think Adam McQueen did a great preview of this game. He talked about all this stuff on 
what this morning, I guess, but he wrote it yesterday, and he's talking about how the Bucks aren't going to be hitting the offensive glass very often. They're going to be getting back in the half-court defense, and no one could have guessed that they would put Giannis on Siakam, which they did, but even then, I think there should have been a contingency plan for the Raptors' offense if that was the case, and just not being able to free up Siakam for half the game, not having... Gasol in you know an aggressive mode where he knows he's operating as a shooter in a five-out system against the Bucks, who are playing a sit-in-the-paint type of defense what are we doing here right and this was something the Raptors played this team last year and they don't have Kawhi Leonard anymore I understand that but in the playoffs this was how the Bucks played the Bucks are relying on a lot of the same things that gave them success last year this year obviously and the Raptors kind of handed the first half of the game to them, let them come get out to a 51-25 lead, which is kind of a mockery of, of how good and how close these teams actually should be talent-wise and compete-wise. Just the Raptors, the, the way they came out of this game and the game plan for this game I thought was pretty poor. And that's, I would say, on Nick Nurse because there are players, the initiators for the Raptors I thought didn't look bad. I didn't think Siakam looked bad. I think he had tough shots. I think he wasn't put in a great position to succeed. He was put in the post for the first half of the game. Put in the post with Giannis Antetokounmpo, which means that Giannis is lurking as a shot blocker. When they started working him above the break in those little pitch dribble handoff plays and letting him work in the pick and roll, way more success. Letting him get a switch on Brook Lopez every once in a while. Ursan Ilyasova, things like that, way more success. And that's, it was disappointing to see that the game plan was so bad. The fourth quarter was really a defensive showdown, I think. It was 20-15 to 15 for the Bucks in that one. And the Raptors, they made their run on the back of Kyle Lowry once again because he was fantastic. But the Bucks, they just performed better down the stretch. The Raptors, it just sometimes you spend all of it getting there. And Kyle Lowry, he was the linchpin for the Raptors' offense. And he had been getting them there the whole night. And then confusing a little bit that so many possessions down the stretch went to Fred Van Vliet, who I'm not saying he had a bad game, but it just didn't make sense for him to be the primary initiator at that point in the game. Was Kyle Lowry tired? Was he gassed? Is it something like that? And they're trying to hand off possessions so that he can rest a bit then reinsert himself. I'm not super sure, but that is a consideration because Kyle Lowry had been everything for the Raptors offense to that point and to not have his contributions at the end of the game because he's not involved in that many sets. It's a little confusing, right? And also the Bucks are good. Giannis Antetokounmpo was the MVP last year. Towards the end of games, MVPs are supposed to make things happen. Giannis was making things happen. He had a great offense rebound, some slams. He's always pressuring defenses, always forcing guys to foul. And no matter how many times Kyle Lowry can step under him and get a good charge in and kind of make him wary of running through and getting into contact and the fact that he shoots free throws pretty poorly for an MVP candidate, maybe since like Shaq, the worst free throw MVP. It's just things like that. But, you know, he brought the game home for them. His length, tenacity, and drive to get to the rim is what the Bucks' offense is built on, and he was able to do that at the end of the game 
for the Raptors, the end of the game, what did that look like? It looked like it didn't look like what got them there, right? Was Kyle Lowry's brilliance and having those possessions go to players who aren't Kyle Lowry seemed a shame. But Kyle Lowry had so much expenditure of his energy getting there that maybe it it just wasn't the same on during the last little bit. But it's uh, I think this one's on Nick Nurse. The Raptors, like they, I understand a lot of people online and the broadcast crew is talking about the guys look dead, but the secondary guys look dead for the most part. The guys who aren't the creators look dead for the most part. The Raptors creators, I thought looked good, but they just weren't creating the right types of shots because I thought that they were ill-prepared for what I thought was a pretty predictable Bucks defense. And sometimes, you know, if it's predictable, it's because it's really good and they don't have to change anything. And I don't want to take too much away from the Bucks. Their half-court defense is menacing and long and diligent. And I thought, you know, that's that's obvious. So maybe it's not so much that. But I do think, for the most part, this was this was on Nurse. And that's, you know, a tough thing to say. But that's, uh, that's how I feel about this one. The Reggie Evans Award. There's only one player this could go to. It's quite obvious. He took charges. He rebounded the ball, he boxed out, he hit threes, he got to the rim, free throw line, he did everything. Kyle Lowry, I've talked about him ad nauseum on this podcast already, that's the Reggie Evans Award. Mitchell Robinson Award, no villains tonight. I think it's uh, it's tough to find a villain in this one. It was even like half the game was played with zero intensity, and villains usually come from intensity anyway, so, you know, it's just... No villain in this one. We haven't had a villain in a while, which all things considered is a good thing. And the quick reaction comment from Arshdeep Singh, who comments quite a bit and I think is a good commenter on the site, says, Man, I know we lost, but what a battle. Wow. This team really has a heart of a champion coming back down from 26 to cut it down to four on a bad shooting night. Raptors shot under 40% from the field as a team and Siakam Van Vliet, Gasol, Ibaka, and Powell shot a combined 17 of 57, which is 29% from the field in total. Yet, the Raptors still almost won this game on the road. Coming back down 26, Lowry is a freaking warrior. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. That was basically the drum I was banging for the whole duration of this podcast. I'm glad you saw the same thing. And uh, yeah, Lowry was everything for the Raptors tonight. And... I don't think this is uh, the skies falling or anything like that. The Raps are still the defending champs. We can still look fondly back upon a championship and a game six and where Kyle Lowry scored the first 11 points of the game for the Raptors and just so many things to like. Siakam has been dynamite to start the year. OG Ananobi, great. Kyle Lowry, awesome. Fred Van Vliet tweaked his ankle. Hasn't been as good at the rim, but has been really good above the break as far as operating as, you know, passing the ball up top, shooting the ball, and he's still been great defensively. Gasol is coming along, so it's, you know, the Raptors are doing their thing, and they still have some things to figure out, apparently, but that's fine. If they had everything figured out, there would be no point. This season would be worthless until we get to the postseason, and I think that we shouldn't be so complacent with the team to think that we're just a postseason squad. And I haven't heard anyone saying that, but just preventative measure. Let's not be that way, you know? 
there's there's so many things to like and there's things to improve upon of course Pascal Siakam I think will come out really strong next game and that's you know that's exciting and that's cool to look forward to and uh that's that's probably it for this podcast and you know it's it's been a fine one the game was terrible to watch at first but then it turned back around and it it was pretty good to watch at the end which considering the game started out 51 to 25 to have it even be entertaining at the end hey that's a blessing already that's already way more than I could have asked for and seeing 36 points out of Kyle Lowry is so much fun and a a really great way to turn the clock back for him we'll see if he can continue that form going forward but that's this game was perfectly fine to watch even if they didn't win moving on I'm out of here this is uh this is it for the podcast whether you're getting around to this in the morning or at night have a blessed day and goodbye support for this episode is brought to you by mrs myers a delightfully clean home can make for a delightful start to the day at mrs myers everything we make is inspired by the garden with plant-derived ingredients our cleaning products work like the dickens leaving your home sparkly clean and your to-do list tackled in no time so bring a little bit of the outside inside your four walls and bask in the wonder of a garden from the comfort of home. Mrs. Myers, rooted in goodness. Shop now at MrsMyers.com. Everyone needs more vacation, right? The new United Gateway card knows how to take you away with great travel rewards and no annual fee, ever. The wait for vacation is over. Tap now or visit UnitedGatewayCard.com to apply.